Hey guys, it's Dave Melton, the host of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. Just with a real quick disclaimer before we get into this episode, uh, we've been having some technical difficulties, so what you're about to hear is actually a mashup of two separate recordings, one of which came a few days before Easter Sunday, and the other one came a few days after. Uh, we decided to keep everything together since it covers basically all of the Blackhawks news that's happened in the last month, uh, but you may notice some slight edits and a few references to things that are going to be out of date that we couldn't do anything about in the editing process. It just still seemed like that was the best idea going forward. Uh, We do apologize for all of that, but it appears that said technical issues have been resolved and it shouldn't come up again. Uh, We thank you for listening. We thank you for your understanding and hope to not have any issues like this going forward. That being said, let's get into the show. titles in six years. Yes, it is worth cheering for. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, assistant editor and lead podcast guy or, you know, whatever it is I do on podcasts here for the SCH Network. We're back after a brief hiatus because, well, we just couldn't really think of anything to talk about for a while, given the state of no hockey and all the other things happening in the world right now that I probably don't have to tell you about. But uh, we figured we'd come back and say hi and maybe give everyone a little distraction, a little vacation from all the things going on right now. And with me are two of the usual voices you've heard on these networks over the last year or so. Uh, first off, it's the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Hello. Uh, greetings from Insanity. Is, is that the town you moved to? No, I, it, but the town I moved to is called Naperville. Oh, it drives me yeah. insane. Well, it might all be the same. I, for a second, I thought you were like, doing like the Insanity workouts at home because you no. have nothing else to do. Remember P90X? Remember how like that was a, like, a craze 10 years ago? I do. I do remember that. I also remember uh, trying to do it once and deciding very quickly that I was never going to do it again. Home workouts are not for me, and I miss the gym so much. Yeah, yeah, I I don't do either. I like I was we were talking about before we came on. I went running three times in the last week and a half, and that probably close to like a fifty to seventy five percent increase on my career number of times gone running for fun. So, so there you go. Um, but Shepard Price isn't the only person here tonight. We also have uh, the 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 pun master. The, the breaking news guy, uh, the person responsible for about 80% of the updates you'll see at secondcityhockey.com, it is Brandon Kane. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh. I, 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 I think we all have now. <laughs> okay. I, I, okay. I don't want to be sued for libel, but she killed, she killed her husband, right? Oh, she absolutely killed her husband. She killed, she found, yeah, I totally believe it. Yeah, no, that the fact that she she came out and said you cover a person in sardine oil if you want to get a tiger to attack them, <laughs> like come on, that's clear, <laughs> that's evidence. Like I hate, I, like I, as I'm watching this, I'm just like I I don't I hate all these people. I don't yeah. like any like especially that Jeff Lowe guy is the worst. Got to be one of the worst people that exists in America. I feel, but as I, and I just watch this, I'm like. Why are these people becoming famous? Like I, this is, like, this is, like, like if somebody, like I, and I know, like the Joe Exotic has been, 
he's like in isolation because he got he caught the developed the COVID nineteen. So like he, I don't know what his health is recently because I don't care I guess. But it's just if you somebody's told him in prison that he's like the number one documentary on Netflix, and I'm sure he's loving every second of it. And I'm like, this is not. I don't think this is a good thing. These people suck. Every single one of them. They're all mistreating animals. They're all garbage humans. Like, why? Why is why is this a thing? Except for the guy who was like filming the whole thing, and he was just like, "Yeah." So I just got my dog and left. <laughs> yeah, oh, Alan. Uh, no, I'm gonna say Alan Rickman. That's not the, act, the 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 journalistic producer. Yeah, yeah, the guy who had, like he worked for like CBS or I think he did 60 Minutes for a while. Like, yeah, he, had, he was there for like six, seven years, and he was just like, well. Everything was just gone, so I just took my dog and left. I was like, it's a very Hank Hill thing to do. I respect that. <laughs> I love that Hank Hill is the person you go to for that. Why wouldn't I? Propane, propane Wait, but accessories. You, you don't believe the theory that he, he's the one who burned down the, the studio? Maybe. And he was just like sick of all the bullshit, and I was just like, well, yeah. just I mean, going to burn it all. Start I a new. Guess. I, I why want... did they have crocodiles at a like? What, yeah, why do they have why do they have crocodiles in a, t- in a in a TV studio? Is my question. This is bizarre. Why not? Apparently, apparently, when you live out in the middle of nowhere, that's what you do. That, the that, middle of nowhere, aka Oklahoma. I've I've never I've never watched something on Netflix where my jaw just was open the entire time. Like I could not comprehend what I was watching. It's just it's. It seemed like every. I don't know, like 10 minutes, you were like, okay, it's starting to cool down. And then I was just like, yeah. oh, no, you, no, no. I think, I think the number one for me was when they introduced Jeff Lowe and his wife, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But, and they're in the cage. They're like playing with the lion. And then all of a sudden he says, Lauren, get out of the cage. And then he punches the lion in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you can't punch the king of the jungle in the nose. That, Unless like, you're Khalil Mack. Okay. <laughs> But like, <laughs> there's there are so many things wrong with he just to have the balls to think I'm gonna punch this lion in the face and he's not gonna maul me to death. Like there's there's something very wrong with that picture. Oh yeah. After I watched that, like, I should have walked away there. I should have shut this off. Like I need to stop giving this my attention. This is this is ruining my brain. But you know, can we talk about the fact that he got 19 percent of the vote in a in an election in any election? <laughs> That means at least hundreds of people voted for him to be the the uh, libertarian candidate for Oklahoma's <laughs> governor. Libertarian was that was my favorite part. Was there? <laughs> but I highly recommend just searching Joe Exotic and looking at his old YouTube videos, which you would think would have like hundreds of thousands of views. They have like four thousand views. Like even like, still. I f- yeah, I feel you like, can still see him. Yeah, I feel like now, like they would be blowing up, and he'd be becoming wildly popular on on everything now, just because you know Netflix turned him into a star. I mean, they might become that, but yeah, like, I I feel like like the the only redeeming people in that entire thing were a few of the the people that worked at his uh, worked at his zoo in, initially. There were a few of them. Like, I can't remember anybody's names. One of them was the person who had uh, lost half the arm because they stuck the arm in the cage and the tiger bit it off or something like them the guy that uh then there was the guy that had both of his legs amputated and before the guy, he worked there before he worked there that was the crucial information yeah, yeah and the guy with the long ball and hair like i remember those like walking away from this thinking 
those three people I think were just looking for somewhere to work and, and like be, you know, and just, just survive. Cause they, I think they all had like prior addiction issues and such, and they found that right. they could live and exist and, and, and recover. And that, that was good for them, but then it all went to shit and everything fell apart. So like, like I found like there was like three or four people with redeeming qualities and they were like the ones that nobody's talking about. They're only talking about all the terrible people on this thing. So, Hey, you guys want to talk about hockey? Yeah, I feel like that was a good tangent to start things off. I guess we could do that here since we are a, a hockey-themed podcast, allegedly. So we got some good news about the Blackhawks earlier this week. I think it happened late Sunday night, maybe early Monday, whenever it was. But uh, top prospect Ian Mitchell is finally signed with the team after a few years of speculation, maybe a little bit of worry on the parts of some people, I think myself included, that he might go the Kevin Hayes route and never sign with the Blackhawks. But ultimately, he is in the fold. He's going to be a member of the team, ideally next season, whenever that comes. So, Brandon Shepard, I just want to get your guys' reaction. What, did, uh, what was your thoughts when you found out that Ian Mitchell is going to be a guaranteed part of this team's future? Uh, let me just start it off by saying that people were afraid that he was going back for his senior year, and I could have sworn to God that he was a senior. I don't know <laughs> where I've been. I, could, I, like, I, th- I really did. I thought he was a senior. I thought he was like, oh, yeah, this is his senior year. Of course he's going to sign. I, I did not had have any thought, expectations that he wasn't going to sign. I think I had that thought once or twice when I saw he was a captain. I just assumed a captain was a senior. Yeah, so did I. And I, I, like, I must have lost track of years or something like that because like, I, it's just – I also think that he had been saying the entire time, I always planned on signing with the Blackhawks. And so he put those, those fears to rest and he put his, mouth, his money where his mouth is literally now because now he's actually going to start getting paid professionally. I'm happy. I think, I think Ian Mitchell is the future number one defenseman of this team. Um, Ooh, number one even. Because Adam Boquist is the, power, is the guy who's going to run the power play for the next decade. Okay. Um, I, his, his defensive game continues to get, or continued to get better as the, as the season went on. It's just it didn't get to a point where I felt steady with him in all aspects of the game, and I think that's something where Ian Mitchell actually fits like the Connor Murphy, you trust that guy, and that guy will do everything reliably, quietly. And I think that's who Ian Mitchell should become. Um, and I think it is my opinion that if he's not a number one defenseman, Connor Murphy is, a, is certainly a number two and a top pairing defenseman. Yeah, I mean – a Mitchell and Murphy pairing would be like, that seems like it'd be a good comparison because Murphy's more of the stay at home type and Mitchell's a little bit, not, I wouldn't say freewheeling, but he's definitely more mobile than Murphy's been throughout his career. And just watching Mitchell, watching all these clips that have popped up of him when he's been playing in Denver, he's so much more mobile than so many of the defensemen the Blackhawks have had. And you're watching all these other teams in the NHL who have mobile defensemen that can skate, you know, all over the ice and specifically skate themselves out of trouble in the defensive zone. And the Blackhawks don't have enough of that right now. So I think adding Ian Mitchell into the mix is going to help solve a massive problem that they've had for several years now. And hopefully it'll help, um, help shore up the defense. And because the gap between, you know, we, we talk a lot about the lack of team speed with the Blackhawks. And I feel like it was more, glaring on the defensive side than on the offensive side so every step that they can take forward that shores up some of that team speed on the blue line is going to help make this team better and hope to god at some point a playoff team again uh brandon what are your thoughts on this news uh to quote nate diaz i'm not surprised motherfuckers (laughs) there goes the pg rating 
I mean, did, did we, we ever have a PG rating? rating? <laughs> I don't think we, we not, a we are not think PG ever friendly. Rating. I think it's explicit or not, and uh, we just don't pick one. But you know, we, yeah, we never, we have never picked one. Yeah, I've never, I've never picked a lane. No, we don't, we don't pick lanes. That's not who we are. Yeah, sorry, mom. <laughs> I told them there would be no f bombs, but Brandon didn't listen. Oh. I didn't say anything about that. Damn. You never sent it. You never sent the memo. Memo. That's how we have to communicate now in this in this era. <laughs> That's you, true. you have to send memos. Oh yeah, like we were doing this in person beforehand. Yeah. yeah. They didn't know. Use the, nobody, use nobody the Pony Express or something. <laughs> yeah, he said he was going to sign, so I was just like, "Yeah, he'll sign," and then he did, and I was like, "All right, cool." Like the Kevin Hayes thing was so long ago, and he's been like, uh, like a decent player, like not like a knockout, you know. Player, he, so he might have like, helped whatever. a little bit, but he wouldn't have put the team over the top. Right, right. he would have been the number two, the number two center the Blackhawks were looking for, and found in Artem Anisimov, and now in Kirby Doc. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, he might have like shit in a stairwell place. too, like. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Who, who among us? Right, yeah, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think when I watch Mitchell play, I think of like the. Quinn Hughes, like Seth Jones type of defenseman okay. that can obviously contribute offensively, but defensively there's that skill and speed like you guys had mentioned to be able to get back on the rush and defend. Um, and I feel like he's probably like could be the D-man on the second power play unit to run that. I th- Yeah, I'd I, I assume so. I mean, they'll, uh, they'll probably – Force Brent Seabook under there if he's healthy, or Duncan Keith. But I mean, I I, I feel like Colleton likes having two defensemen on that second unit. So right, yeah, right. Mitchell can be one of them. But and, if, and spo- spoiler alert: uh, we're doing a series on our favorite athletes for Second City Hockey this week at some at some point. Um, mine is a defenseman who I think Ian Mitchell could be very like, um, who currently plays for the Vegas Golden Knights. Okay, I thought you were gonna go like Brian Campbell direction. No, no. Well, because I, I, I don't pay I, attention I, to even recent past. I, I'm here for all the all the Brian Campbell comparisons because that was my guy back in the day. Um, but so here's here's the the thing, the question I have now. So you add Ian Mitchell to the mix. Right now, I'm looking at their the Blackhawks cap friendly page. They have eight guys listed at the NHL level: Keith, Mata, Murphy, Cuckoo, Bowden, Boquist, Carlson, and Sealer. Uh, obviously, Slater Cuckoo is a restricted free agent, so maybe you don't even include him, but. They've already said that Brent Seabrook and Calvin DeHaan are coming back from injury and they're going to be on the team next year. So that's 10 defensemen, including Cuckoo. And now you add Ian Mitchell into that mix. So that's 11 defensemen. And there are six spots a night, and you teams usually carry seven at the most. What the hell are they going to do? I think Brandon could probably attest to this better than I can, but I think, Ian, uh, I think Nick Bowden needs another season in Rockford, probably. So you can take him off the list. Yeah, I feel like he's a split where you would like call him up in December or something. Lucas Carlson is still impressive. I think we need to see more from him because unfortunately he should have ended the season in Chicago. The regular season is over. It likely ended when everything went shut down. Um, so I think we've seen the last of him this season. He's a question mark. Um, again, I, I liked what I saw from him, but – like the four guys that that have to be at the NHL level, in my opinion, are Murphy, DeHaan, Keith, and uh, Boquist. 
Even see, I'm starting to think Calvin DeHaan's not going to be on this roster next year. I feel like they're going to try and trade him somehow. I think there's a lot of players who are not going to be on the, the lot of defensemen <laughs> who are not going to be on this roster who currently are. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think Calvin DeHaan is one of those guys. Yeah, fair. I mean, you know, and and there's no guarantee that Bowden makes the jump. I mean, Nick Sealer can probably get buried on waivers or down the AHL, and he's not waiver exempt, but. The Hawks got him on waivers, so I'm sure if they tried to put him back on waivers to send him to the AHL, he would be um, he would not go claimed. You would think, and then you know, I mean, Lucas Carlson might be banished back down to Rockford, but he seemed like he might be able to contribute something. It just there's so many players on the blue line now. Blackhawks are all about that D. Yeah, all, all, of a, all of a sudden we actually have a, 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 a competent defense instead of well, nothing. let's. Let, let's see it on the ice before we call it competent. I mean, we've seen most of them on the ice. Just not in. Not, just not all together because everybody kept yeah. getting hurt on the blue line? Yeah. I don't know. If, if Ian Mitchell turns out to be what you think he can be, and with him already being, he's what, like already 21, 22? He's got to be at least 21, I'd assume, being a junior in college. So he's older than Boquist. He's just a little bit older than Bowden. Like, you'd think he'd be a little bit more physically and – play-wise mature, so he might uh, he might step in at a higher level than those two guys. Well, we haven't seen Bowden yet. He might step in at a higher level than Boquist did. So, you know, you factor in Boquist and Mitchell, and then, you know, Keith and Murphy probably aren't going anywhere. Olimad is probably getting bought out. But then, you know, who, who are your two other guys, assuming those four that I mentioned, Keith, Mitchell, Murphy, and – what the hell? And Boquist are the four guaranteed <laughs> spots, probably. Who are your other two that are probably going to be skating every night? Like, I don't know, Seabrook? Is it DeHaan? I think, I, think, I, think, I think you pencil in DeHaan and Lucas Carlson, personally. Yeah, because it feels like Slater Cuckoo is probably not long for this franchise, and it seems no. like Olimata is probably going to be a buyout candidate with the way right. things are and, going. And, an I, actual I mean, buyout candidate. I don't know what they're going to do with Seabrook because, you know, there's there's a lot of things that are very uncertain right now, obviously. Right. So, you know, we can bank on a compliance buyout. Maybe that'll happen and the Hawks will get the biggest break they've had in a few years. But I don't know. I just I, – I think the the initial reaction when I saw that Ian Mitchell signed was finally, and it makes me excited about you where you hope the next crop of players develop into with – uh, you hope that talent gap catches up to the, the established players on the team and you hope it all meshes together fast enough that in the next season or two, they're back in the playoffs and maybe add a few more pieces and maybe take one more run at this thing before Patrick Kane isn't Patrick Kane anymore. Right. But we, but the thing is like with the, with this extended rest, we don't know how long Patrick Kane might be Patrick Kane. We might still have yeah. a, a while because yeah. of this rest. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm trying not to get too far ahead of myself just because, like you said, Shepard, there's so many things we don't know right now, but it'd be that that's the hope, at least, I guess, for is that in the short term, this all comes together and uh, the Hawks have something to something entertaining to watch when we get on the other side of all of this that's going on right now. Um, yeah. The only other news that we have to report from this week is that Christopher Stieg announced his retirement. Uh, the original terrible rapper on the Blackhawks. Um, Alex Nylander is apparently trying to lay claim to that throne with whatever the hell he put it on the internet today. But uh, just real quickly, uh, Brandon Shepard, either one of you guys, any standout Christopher Stieg moments or memories that come to mind? Aside from his rap skills and his little skit with Lad at the palace. 
Do you remember that, Dave? Refresh my memory, please. <clears throat> so they're over at um, Johnny's Ice House practicing, as they used to do, and that's right next to the palace. So Right. Okay. I think I know him what you're and Lada, you know, full pad get up and went over to the palace and had lunch and then bought lunch for all the patrons that were in there. So that's right. Very, I mean, I think it's up there in views on the Hawks YouTube page. It's like obviously 10 or 11 years old, but it's yeah. Like it was, it was a very long time ago to where Andrew Ladd for sure. And Christopher Stieg probably could have walked around the loop and not been recognized, even if they were wearing their jerseys. Cause I don't think the Hawks were on that level just yet. That would have been before the cup. Because by the time they won a cup, Lad Lad got traded that following summer. So, yeah. Yeah, it was very <clears throat> interesting just to see, A, like what uh, people considered to be stylish in, uh, you know, <laughs> 2009. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago either. That's, that's like, I know. It, you know, it's only a decade, but I remember what people looked like then, and it's not what they look like now. At least what they're wearing yeah. in public. Yeah, and then just to see the uh, their practice get up was a little bit, you know, a run down compared to what they have now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the facility-wise and everything else. Uh, Shepard, what about you? Any lasting memories of the Christopher Stieg era? Because there was more than one. I remember the trade that brought him back um, in, like, what, 2014 for, from Florida? Because that's, like, that's the only memory I have of him. You have to remember that I'm, I was 15 – when, and the 2010 cup and i don't have i don't have much memory of that one god before. you're so damn young because <laughs> i was <laughs> i was uh i i wasn't a hockey fan until the lockout mm-hmm. was, that was uh november of 2013 yeah then, that, that one shepherd i don't know if you'll remember this then brandon you might uh it just when i first really became active on twitter and following a bunch of hot blackhawks fans and Blackhawks themed Hot account. Blackhawks fans? Yeah. <laughs> Just the number one thing I will always remember about Versteeg is the caps lock, damn it, Versteeg, when he would try to dangle through nine people in the neutral zone for no reason. That is my, and, yeah. that is the lasting memory of, of you could, you could set your watch to it. Versteeg would get the puck. There'd be nowhere to go. He'd try and dangle. He'd turn it <clears> over. <throat> Check Twitter, 15, damn it, Versteeg, all caps. And I would say probably seven times out of 10, if you look at those, there's clearly like a way out for him not to do that. Of course. And you're like, and then like, sometimes they would show the replay and it's just like, well, you see right here, there is a wide open lane, like just pass it. And it's like trying to bridge the gap of like, Hey, you could do that when you were, you know, playing against inferior competition, but now you're in the NHL and like these guys know how to play defense, you would think. And, you know, maybe you just can't make those moves anymore. And just and the other thing with him, I feel off. like it, it, like he was a similar story as Dave Boland to where when he first came out of the scene, he was just an incredible talent. And then he had some injuries that there was just a little spark to his stride and his skating and his overall game that was missing that he never got back because of those injuries. Yeah, and he also like dominated outdoor games. He was always, always yes, he did. Goals. He's the answer to the trivia question, I believe, of the only Chicago athlete to score at the United Center, Soldier Field, and Wrigley Field, right? Yeah, he's the one. Yeah. Yep, so there you go. Right. There's your trivia uh, answer for the day. In case that question ever comes up in your future. 
and I'll say like when interviewing him in Rockford, he was very like, yeah, I'm here. Like, we'll see whatever happens. Um, but then talking to the players, they were like, yo, that's, that's Chris Versteeg. And I was like, right? yeah, I know. Like, but they were just like a little bit in awe, especially like the first year pro guys. Um, aside from Brandon Hagel, because they had the same billet family in Red Deer. Oh, okay. Obviously at different times, but Hagel was like, yeah, I was like, oh, I'm like locker buddies with Chris Versteeg. And like, how weird is this that we're, you know, years apart and we had the same billet family and now we're teammates. I mean, granted it was only like what, six, seven games, but still that's kind of a cool memory for that. So last Thursday, Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet was on a radio show in Buffalo and he used the word available when describing Dylan Trome, essentially, I guess saying that Dylan Strome is available in a trade should teams be interested in him. I guess my first thing, just Shepard, is just what is your initial reaction to that news? Well, I like how you're going to the guy who wrote an article about how Dylan Strome was better than Alex DeBrinkat this season first. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. that um, that's right. You're the resident Alex DeBrinkat hater. I'm not, I don't okay, hate I'm Alex DeBrinkat. I'm remembering I, all these things. I, I am just a firm believer that an all-around game is better than a goal scoring, that one that is reliant on goal scoring when that okay. goal scorer scores right. less than 20 all goals right. in the you, season. You've, you've pled your case. We understand. Now continue, please. <laughs> uh, I don't like it, but I understand it, especially considering we don't know what ramifications will be had on the cap yet. I don't. We don't know if we'll be coming back from for, for the playoffs, which is a crucial part of the season for NHL teams. We don't know what the cap will look like. It was projected to be like, what, $85 million going into this offseason? It will not be that number. I can promise you that. I can almost yeah. guarantee you that that will not be the number. Yeah, we, be might, like, we might come back to that conversation later because that, that's one thing that has me very worried about the future given things that are happening right now. And so the Blackhawks have a few priorities this offseason. Priority one is, I think, Corey Crawford. I would hope they need a, they need a goaltender unless they want to do Columbus. And I, I think Columbus might have been a miracle. I don't want to go into next season with Colin Delia and Kevin Lankinen as our two goaltenders. One of them on the roster, yes, not both of them. Um, so Corey Crawford needs to be re-signed. And then Dominique Kubelik is everything we, we could possibly want him to be. And so yes. I understand him being the priority over uh, Strom. But, man, I'd still – Dylan Strom has a good all-around game. He's not terrific in his defensive zone, but besides – Kubelik and Saad and and Taves again for the first time in like five years. Who who else is? Um, so, like, I understand it. I'm not happy about it. If it if it nets us late first or an early second, I'm happy. Before I say anything on this topic, I'm going to defer to Brandon Kane and see what he thinks about it. Yeah. So I understand the reasoning behind it because there's two guys who are already in the system that could fill into a third line center role if they move Kirby Doc up to the number two center and you have Taves and Doc at one and two for the foreseeable future. And those guys are Philip Kershev and Evan Barrett. Right. Both are suitable guys on the wing as well. And then that would be <clears throat> more likely for Kershev to step in next season and he would follow the same – or no, it's a little different. Never mind. I read that wrong. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. Yeah. We'll I was going to go we'll with delete, like... We'll delete all that. Yeah, it's, it's like schmaltz, but no, it's different. Um, anyway, so either of those two guys could be options. And then also looking at the draft this year, there's a 
bevy of forwards that they could lean to to pick up. And I guess that would be the case of getting younger with departing a young talent for another team to coop a pick in a trade like Shepard had mentioned. The idea that Dylan Strome might be available, I think one thing it could suggest is that the Blackhawks are supremely confident in Kirby Doc's development, which is a good thing. I, I think it's good that their number three pick from last year uh, that they believe he could step in and be the number two center as soon as next season if they needed him to be. So from that perspective, I like it. Um, I, I think with Strom, like I think, and I, I think I put this in the uh, comment in the, at our on, under the story about Dylan Strom that Brandon wrote, but I, I, I think Strom's kind of a tweener right now to where he can get by as your number two center and you'll probably be okay as long as he has other wings that can carry him a little bit, namely like Patrick Kane could probably do so. And he's not going to slow you down, but he's also not going to carry the line by himself. But if you had a legitimate number one and number two scoring line center and then you put Strom on your number three scoring line, then he's going to tear people up because he's, he's a very, very good number three center and a decent number two. He's a, like a poor man's number two and a rich man's number three, and he can kind of get by in both spots if you need be. But I think the, the biggest thing for me is if you're going to trade Dylan Strom, I think thought Blackhawks, I think I'd want him traded for a player who's NHL ready right now and I, the only knock I have with Dylan Strom is that I don't think he's as fast as today's game dictates an offensive player can be. So not that he, you know, can't be successful with, you know, he's got the hands, the vision, and everything else to be a productive NHL player. But the game is going so much in the way of speed, and he's not all that fast. So if you traded him and you got somebody faster that improved the overall team speed, I'd be totally for it, as long as he yeah. had an equal amount of skill. That's what you, that, the, the thing is, you can definitely say that about Dylan Strom, but you can also say that about too much of the Blackhawks roster. Yeah, and I, I, I think overall team speed is still severely lacking on this roster, and I think that's the number one thing that they need to improve upon if they're going to do something in the next two to three seasons while Taves and Kane are still playing at the levels that they are right now. Um, otherwise, you might as well just blow everything up because I don't see how this team gets any – I don't see how this team can literally catch up with the rest of the NHL because it's not fast enough to do so. And Kurashev does bring speed. Barrett, not as fast as well, Bar- Bar- Kurashev, but he is definitely faster than Strom. I mean, Barrett, that's not saying much, but yeah. Barrett projects as more of a checking center, though, right? Uh, with, I, I like, feel- a scoring touch. I mean... Well, on, I... I Everything I read and hear about him suggests he is Dave Boland pre-back injury. If 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 he material if he maximizes his potential, he's a a great checking center with an offensive touch that's possible. Because yeah, I think yeah, that's a good comparison. Because I mean, Boland lit up juniors, and then he was like, "Oh well, that's not my role." Yeah, let me just embrace this and be the man. All right, I'm down. Yeah, his back was wrecked after a couple injuries. I can. Bolin's first. God, my back is wrecked. I haven't done shit. <laughs> well, well, don't don't do whatever you've been doing. Stop and do something different. But okay. I mean, Bolin's first full season, he had forty-seven points in eighty-one games. That was in 08-09, and then he had a bunch of back injuries, and he never really got back up to that level again. So, um, so yeah, if, if Evan Barrett can be a defensively responsible center with the ability to convert on the offensive end, which he's he's scoring pretty well at Penn State. And now he signed with the Hawks. Like, I'd be very interested to see what he could do. But I, it's it's interesting now. The Hawks, 
it seemed like for the longest time we talked about the Hawks having no center depth. It was like Taves and then um, a defensive guy in either like Kruger or David Comp, and then like 86 question marks. Now you look down the middle, they've got Taves, Strom, Doc, Comp, Barrett, Kershaw. Like they've got more center depth than I can remember them having in years. Carpenter. And Carpenter. Carpenter. Yeah. All right. Yeah, throw him in there too. So I think that's all we can uh, discuss on that subject. The only other news item that's come out in the last couple of weeks since we've talked to all of you, and that came out, I'm trying to find a date on this, but I probably won't be able to. So a few weeks ago. It yeah. was a few weeks ago. That, that's what they got. Here we go. This article is from March 19th. But Rocky Wirtz was talking to Scott Powers of The Athletic, and he said essentially that general manager Stan Bowman and head coach Jeremy Colleton will, quote, absolutely return next season. And, Brandon, I will go to you first. What was your reaction to hearing that news? No shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you go. Um, Folks, good night. I, I will never be able to wrap my head around the idea of people calling for John McDonough to be fired. It does not make any sense. The guy has done such a great job with where things were to where they are now. It, like, I don't. I, if I he think, if he doesn't have a job, it's because he left. I think the the objection that some people have with him is that they think he's making hockey related decisions, and he has, and he does not have the hockey knowledge to do so. That's what I hear. That's what the people tell me when I ask the people. Okay. Well. And and they might and they yeah. might be wrong. I because none of us exactly know how the the inner workings of that organization. Yeah, and then as far as like Bowman and Colleton, as far as we know, that's been reported that Bowman is still on the contract that he signed with Quinville till the end of 2021, and Colleton has the same deal. So they're just playing out the contract. Fair enough. Shepard, what do you think? We should have fired Colleton this season. <laughs> Straight up. I'll, 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 as, as, as straightforward as, as Brandon was with no shit, I'll be as straightforward that, there too. Uh, if they made zero coaching changes this season, they are, I think, officially at the end of the season, because I do believe it's the end of the season. Dead last in penalty kill. They did not fire Thomas Mattel. Um, I mean, power play. The power play is dead Power play. Power play. The penalty kill under Mark Crawford, perfectly fine. Mark Crawford, good job. Uh, <laughs> on, 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 only coach... <laughs> Only coach on, on that staff, I am willing to say that to. Mark Crawford, good job. He wasn't uh, even there for a month, too. Yeah. He was suspended <laughs> for a month, and he's still, he was still easily the, the Blackhawks' best coach on the bench. The power play um, was 28th at 15.2% as it sits right now. Only Detroit, Anaheim, and Ottawa are worse. There was better. one game where Ole Mata was on the power play, and I remember like looking at my TV and being like, well, that was a choice. <laughs> they, they got they got better as soon as they shipped out Eric Gustafson or whatever however many games they played after that because Adam Boquist is actually a power play quarterback. It's just you can't bring Jeremy Colton back and appease this fan base. Like Jeremy Colton is he is the sacrificial lamb that you put in place after after Joel Quenville so the next guy doesn't get pressure. Like he can he is not the long term coach of this team. He does not have the qualifications. He does not have the skill, clearly, looking at where the Blackhawks ended up the last each of the last two seasons. Jeremy Colleton needs to go. I I'm fine with Stan Bowman returning for another season. I, I'm not fine with Jeremy Colleton. 
I, I see your Jeremy Colleton objections. I don't have an ability to overturn them or overrule them, but I think they because they had that good stretch in early 2020 and they got back in the playoff chase, I think that saved Colleton's job through the rest of the season and into the offseason. I think I still think the leash is very short for him, and I think if they stumble out of the gate in early 2020 to 2021 season, easy for me to say, it's a lot of 20s, um, assuming the season starts on time and they have and and everything goes quote normally from an NHL perspective, and they are able to play games, and then the Hawks struggle early on. If all those things happen, I think Colleton's job is very much up in the air, and he may lose a job, and then you might get what we talked about three to four months ago, where Mark Crawford is promoted to interim head coach and auditions for an ability to be the team's long-term head coach. I mean, there there is supposed to be an election next November, so it could be a you know full two-year cycle for him, where the news drops the day of election day. Wait, did I? I don't understand what you're referencing here. I think I think Brandon is predicting that Joel, Jeremy Colleton will be fired on what November fifth this this year. Well, like, that's just what happened with Quinville, and like that change was made on election day. At okay, okay, that that's what I thought you were getting at. I was just confused. <laughs> I, I was I thought a pun was coming. It just it seemed like you were setting no. yourself up for something. No hanging Chad here. <laughs> uh, I'm too young for that joke. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> the, the only the only objection I had with Rocky Ward saying that is he said it in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. I don't think anybody was asking that question at that particular time. And I don't understand why he needed to say that. I think, so okay, that, so... The timing was so weird to me. Like, I understand, you know, if, if a reporter asked to speak to Rocky Worth, he says yes, the reporter asked him a question. He doesn't, like, he could have just given, like, the, the bullshit answer, non-answer that they're so good at doing. He could have just dismissed it and said... We'll evaluate that later. You know, he, he didn't have to answer that question, and, and he did anyway. And I, I just didn't understand why we, were, why we were told that then. Brandon, you were going to say something? Yeah, the only thing that I can think of is Scott did the interview before and just got around to transcribing it and doing it. But Yeah. Okay. I mean, um, there is that, that. I mean, that could be a thing. But, um, yeah, it's just – very strange how everything during this pause has been magnified no matter what sport it is when someone in a leadership position in an organization speaks out. So like Rocky speaks and says that they're coming back and then everyone goes crazy for 48 hours and then another team does something and then they're the, the talk of the league for 48 hours. And then it's the will they won't they about the season and what about if we do this uh, playoff format and then, you know, do some meth and let's <laughs> cook up something else. And I don't know, Walter White's, you know, and let's, and let's watch the Bruins be evil. And. Oh yeah. Yeah. All this stuff. Yeah. It just, it, there's a, there, there's a very finite time on the news cycles now. Cause it seems like anytime any sports fans now are just so hungry for anything to happen that the second something happens, it is all-consuming, all-encompassing, and then 
like the high will wear off like in a day or two, like you said, and then the next thing will happen and that will be the all encompassing, all consuming thing. And we're just going to keep doing this until there's actual games again. Yeah. There was I mean, marble like, racing that was like blowing up. Yeah, on yeah exactly. Um, so my, my other thing with this is that maybe that is the bullshit answer that Rocky Wirtz gives. Cause I think if, if you ask any, any, uh, team owner before their coach is fired in the offseason, what, what are they going to be doing? They might say that same answer, that of course they're going to come back, and then and then Anaheim fires Randy Carlton. Carlisle? Carlisle. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bit out of it. Randy Carlisle. Yeah. Uh, like, this, that might be the bullshit answer that Rocky Worth, that, uh, Rocky Worth gives. You don't think he, they would fire Carlton after he said in an interview in March that they wouldn't fire him? Like, not before. I mean, the, the it's, it's been it's been done before plenty of times, though. That that you say that you say that to cover your ass, and then you you realize, oh yeah, we 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 saw we actually went back over what he did this season, and we did not like it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I I, I just want to see like I don't care what sport it is. I just want to see some coach or executive get fired, just to see like the backlash that an organization will face doing it during this time. Here's my, just, here's, my, here, here's my prediction. This is when Garpax is going. Oh, they, it sounds like they're working on it. I've seen a lot of uh, discussion the last day or two that uh, they're looking for other people to fill the job, and Paxson said he would leave. And It's very interesting, very odd circumstances, I guess, but it seems like it's happening. They got to do it on a day where, uh, you know, the Blackhawks have the, the classic game on NBC Sports Chicago. Have you guys watched any of the classic Blackhawks games? Of the 2010 Blackhawks? Yeah, games? the ones that are airing on NBC Sports Chicago right now. No, I have no. not. Brandon, have you watched any of them? I watched the Nashville series just because I forgot about it. Okay. And I was just like, yeah, this was like way more challenging than I remember it being. Yeah. I For the team. I haven't watched it a ton. I have all these games on an external hard drive, and I could watch them at any time. And I – I, I've like if they're on, it, it's like it's like you know like if if I happen to stumble across the movie Independence Day, I will sit and watch it, maybe for two or three commercial breaks if it's on like TNT or whatever. I think I'm that the same thing with these house games. Like if if I if I'm sitting around, there's nothing else on, and I turn it on, I'll watch it till like the end of the period. But it's just I don't know. I I'm jealous of people that can get really really into it and like like feel like they're reliving the entire thing all over again i haven't quite been able to do that yet maybe i'll get there with the cup mm. final but i was watching the the sharks hawks game that went uh it was game three because it ended with bowling getting the puck behind the net and dustin bufflin being roughly 20 feet away like he was practicing social distancing in the san jose <laughs> offensive zone because nobody was within 30 feet of him and bolin found him with a, a beautiful backhand pass and bufflin fired it past the for the game winner in overtime and like i i remembered the sequence so i knew it was coming and it just kind of like it was cool to see but it didn't have like any sort of emotional reaction to it and it was kind of just like i i can't quite get into him as much as i wish i could because it's it's all we got right now but uh, I, I, I'm glad you said the thing about the Jordan Bulls are in the NBA Finals because I think I need to watch those again because I vividly remember a lot about all these Hawks Cups of the last decade. I was not that old for the Bulls games. I think I need to relive some of those again because I bet those are a blast. Yeah, the, my two biggest takeaways, aside from, like, MJ is, like, the man. <laughs> yeah. Like, he got the ball and everyone was just like, well, fuck. Can't like, confirm. I'm, but, like – Ron Harper was a dude. 
and Ron Harper, huh? Yeah, and Dennis Rodman like rebounded the shit out of the ball. Yeah, like, the, that I, was the one thing he, he could do, though. Right? Yeah, it just like just because of like I don't watch the NBA much, so I'll see like college games and watch them every now and again, and going back to like '90s basketball and watching it and not really knowing like too many of the rules. I'm just like, oh damn! Like they they're playing physical sports ball right now. <laughs> sports ball. I know watching like some of like the classic Bulls Knicks games. Like they used to beat the shit out of each other in some of those games. I'm not saying the NBA isn't physical now, but it was like, it was more like violent. I guess I felt like in the '90s, like felt uh, kind of like the way hockey is. Like there's there's still a physical element to the game now, but it's more like within the co- aspects of the game. I feel like in the '90s they just kind of let people just throw bows and throw shoulders whenever they wanted to. Well, I think that's enough talk about sports right now. I think when we come back on the other side of this timeout, we're going to talk about, well, we're going to find out. I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about because we're done with hockey topics, and I think we're just going to go. Maybe we'll talk about Joe Exotic for another 20 minutes. I don't know. We'll come back on the other side of this timeout, and uh, we'll, we'll do something. So welcome back to the Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And I th- with, you know, not a ton of Blackhawks news to talk about, I think we've, we've uh, already addressed all the topics we're going to be able to get to at this point. The one thing I wanted to talk about with you two guys is kind of a bigger picture thing just about sports in general in the era of the pandemic that we're all living through together. And it's, you know, it's really relevant now is as I'm looking at Twitter, there was an a I'll just read this tweet verbatim. It says, Adam Silver, Rob Manfred, Roger Goodell, Gary Bettman, Robert Kraft, Jerry Jones, Dana White, and Vince McMahon are part of a large group that will help advise on how to restart the economy, President Trump says. I guess that's happening during the briefing that's going on right now as I'm talking. And if what? You Wait, don't... Vince McMahon, the... the, the it, it's Mc... basically the commissioner of every professional sport. And and Robert Kraft. Robert and Kraft Jerry is Jones. like he's like the the highest ranking NFL owner. Well, I mean Jerry, Jerry Jones. Well, okay. Well, all right, Gary. Well, Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones are in there. Basically, all the pro sports big shots are going to be part of this uh, group. They're going to talk about how to restart the economy. And there's oh, oh Mark Cuban's going to be in there too. So, and it, but here's here's the whole idea. It, it's it seems like they are really they're pushing hard to get sports to come back as soon as possible. And and I understand that, and I I don't I I don't want to sound like I'm shunning people who want their sports back as soon as possible. I do too. I you know I want it from a fan perspective. I do a lot of work in sports that I'm missing out on financially, so I very much have a horse in this race. But I've also had the thought over the last couple of days that I don't want sports back until we can have sports the way we have always had them, which is games all over the country in front of fans and just, just no restrictions. Like the, all these things that they keep talking about, like quarantining baseball players in Arizona, or they're going to send the NHL to Grand Forks, North Dakota and play games in empty buildings. Like it just, it doesn't sound like sports to me. Like it, I think, I don't know. I think fans sometimes overestimate how important they are, but I do think they're part of the game day experience and having sports in empty buildings. They're just going to be something missing there that I don't want to deal with. So Brandon Shepard, if either one of you guys, what, what are your thoughts on the hopeful return of sports and, and what do you think about getting it back halfway or waiting till we get the whole thing? I think there's the, the good news is that, is that uh, 
probably every league saw what WrestleMania looked like and probably didn't like it. It felt like there was a there was good action in WrestleMania this year, but it was it was empty and there like it just it, it was not sports. It was not what that event should be, and I think sports should be afraid of that. I don't want to see the White Sox play, for instance, like you said, in Arizona and see Tim Anderson come from like six roads up in the stands to, to sit, to hit the ball because he can't go in the dugout with his teammates. Like, I agree with you. I think that we need stadiums to be full of fans. The question I have is like, who's going to want to go to stadiums like that? If, cause we, we saw 72% of fans don't want to go there until there's a vaccine and there might be, a, a chunk of that, a chunk of that percentage, you don't want to go there even when there's a vaccine because, like, you're risking not only coronavirus but like illnesses every time you go to and out in public in a large setting like that. Where did you see that seventy-two percent figure? I missed that. Uh, I think SB Nation, uh, the main page, had that, um, and there was a few other places who ran that stat. Okay, okay. Just want, just want to make sure we didn't have any, you know, any fake news on this podcast. No, no fake news. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, Brandon, what say you? I think that fans will go to games if there's a vaccine, like Shepard said. I do think that sports will come back without fans. Um, that's already been happening in, I think, China. Their baseball league has, like... Was that uh, South Korea? No, no. South- it, was, it was China. It was China. Okay. I thought it was Taiwan. I thought I saw in Taiwan where they're playing with, like, cardboard cutouts in the building. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that won't be new if, like, the Senators come back, but <laughs> I digress. Wow. Um, Good work. So, I feel like that's what will happen. I don't know about the whole different locations and having all of MLB play in the middle of summer in Arizona. That just seems like a very dumb idea. Yes, it's too hot. <laughs> Oh yeah, well yeah, for sure. And that, and I mean, you know, I I I know that they're paid handsomely and all that, but it's still a job. And if you're going to take these guys and like quarantine them away from their families for like four and a half, five months, yeah, like that's like you know, Chris Bryant. Just I'm not even a Cubs fan. Chris Bryant just had a kid. Like he doesn't want to be in the middle of the desert for four months away from the newborn baby. I mean, he is from Las Vegas, so he's kind of used to it, but. (laughs) That that feels unnecessary. Uh, I shouldn't say unnecessary, but just it doesn't feel. It just doesn't feel right to me. Like it's it doesn't. There there's more important issues. Like I feel like we could get through a longer stretch of time than one month or two months or three months without sports. Like I, you know, it's it's gonna suck. But and I I was thinking about this earlier today. Like we've had sports pretty much nonstop since what World War Two. Like, I know we've and, – and even then they were still playing somewhat. Like, I know there were stoppages for 9-11. I believe some sports stopped, like, when Kennedy was assassinated. But in the United States, as far as I can think of – and I'm not a history major, so hopefully I'm not misstating this. But I feel like World War II was probably the last thing that ever had a major disruption of sports in America. And there weren't that many sports to talk about back then. Yeah, and there's also not the, like, massive archives that we have now where you can just be like – oh, let me watch this game from, you know, 10, 15 years ago or right. even longer back where you can be like, oh, I can entertain myself and maybe you pick a random game and you don't know the outcome. You're like actually invested in it. But it's also nice to just like watch a winning game and be like, oh, well, 
Yeah. A goal against. That's not great, but I know that this isn't going to be the end, so I'm fine with this. <laughs> also, sports like- kept going through. Sports kept throughout going through World War II. There's still stats from the NHL in the in 1945. But wasn't wasn't I feel like baseball was affected somehow. Well, I baseball. Uh, like, I feel like uh, the NFL and the MLB had a lot of players that were sent to war. Right. So I think the ro- I think there was a significant roster turnover. There was, and there was a lot of roster change, but there was also the uh, women's league. Right. Um, that, that that's that's what made me think of that. Yeah, that le- thinking of a league of their own. Yeah, yeah, um, and there there was still baseball going on. There were just like a lot of minor leaguers in the MLB. Yeah, so so I guess even even that might not be an, an accurate statement than what I said. Like, I mean, like this, it's really unprecedented that something has affected sports this heavily. Like, this has never happened before that I can. Yeah. I mean, granted, we've we've only had organized sports in this country for, you know, about a hundred years altogether, there were some like other loose leagues that became what they are now in the early 1900s. But, you know, the NFL started in 1920 major league baseball was what early 1900s. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I forget when the NHL and NBA started, but you know, it's in the, you know, in the history of the civilization of the human race, that's a relatively short time. And the fact that this is the, but the fact that this is the first real stoppage we've ever had, you know, is only, I don't know. It's, it's just the overall goes back to my overall thought that I just, I feel like we should not be having sports until we can guarantee everyone's safety and we can have sports like we've always had them. I mean, I, like I, I'm not only like for me, I'm losing sports, but I was going to concerts at least once a month. Like I was hoping to go to Riot Fest this fall in September. And I don't think that's going to happen because I don't think concerts or music festivals are going to be coming back anytime soon either because you have the same problems with them that you have with sports. And I think in concerts, especially you're in even closer proximity to people. So I don't know how we do any of those things anymore. I also wonder what people's hygiene is going to be like at concerts. Like it's bad enough now, but after this <laughs> pandemic, like are people going to know like, Hey, you actually have to shower every day. Like, I mean, you can shower all you want, Brandon, but like if you go to a punk rock show and you're in a mosh, pit for an hour, <laughs> you're just not going to smell good. I think the best bet is that you'll get a beer spilled on you and you will be smelling like beer instead of BO. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. The biggest thing with bringing back sports is what happens if a player or like a staff member tests positive, like, do you shut it down for two weeks? Like what's the deal there? You probably have to like probably longer too. Yeah. At a minute, yeah. At a minimum of, of two hours or two weeks, because if you get, if anybody tests positive for anything, like if, especially if it's one of the athletes, yep. if it's one of the athletes, you immediately have to shut down because, you know, the close proximity that athletes are in during competition is ripe for spreading the virus to everybody. And even if somebody like in the organization, like you said, like a stat guy gets it, like they're still, if they're within the quarantine zone, that could affect everyone within the quarantine. And what do you do? I feel like the the main priority, like you said, should be safety. And also it should be okay to just cancel the season to make sure that the next season goes as normal. You don't want to like kerfuffle two seasons, like just do one, be fine with it, be responsible just, and just move peel, on to the next one. Just, just peel the bandaid now and get it over with. Like, I don't, I, right. I go ahead, Shepard. And and canceling the season now also lets the people who work at the games get paid. 
Um, yeah. Because they still they still haven't officially canceled it. It's still on pause technically. Um, just cancel the, the especially the regular season for the NHL. Cancel it. And also, I I it is my belief the playoffs should be canceled because I don't want half the league getting hurt. Because even a, like a week a week of minicap before then, you you might see like half the league get hurt. Yeah, I I don't know how you pick up the the sport again at the level of competition that those guys compete at after going away for a month. Like I I don't know how any teams ramp them. Like if they decide to cancel the rest of the regular season and go right into the playoffs, I don't know how you go from nothing to the most intense competition that the sport has in the matter of a couple weeks. Like, right. like you said, I, I mean, maybe it'll take all the teams. Maybe there would be some like ramping up of, you know, the, like everybody would have to get into game shape again. So maybe it would take a while to get there, but you're, I think you're like, you said, you're risking a lot of injuries and then basically whoever wins the cup this summer would be the team that gets the least number of players hurt. Yep. Which isn't a very, I mean, which kind of is the way it is now sometimes. It's the way it always always been, but yeah, it, I think it would be even more, even more of a factor now. As the days goes on, I'm becoming less and less optimistic that things are going to happen. I mean, Shepard, we we talked about it. At our I think it was the last podcast we did actually. I, I was at the the gymnastic state finals in the state of Indiana yeah. for the newspaper I write for in front of an empty stadium. And yep. I know people listening are thinking how many people could go to the thing. Well, several hundred, <laughs> you know, it's not the 25,000 people, the United center, but there's still a decent crowd. And it was noticeably weird without fans yes. in the building. And that is high school gymnastics, a much lower stage than the NHL playoffs or the MLB or the NFL. Anything. So if something that small can be affected and just feel so odd of sorts, I couldn't imagine watching the NHL playoffs without fans in the building, that's such an integral part of everything that happens there. It just – it wouldn't even feel like I was watching the NHL playoffs. Like, I may not even be interested. It, it, it would lose some of the appeal of it because part of the appeal is listening to the fans live and die with every shot on net in the third period of a one-goal game in the last two minutes when every shot feels like it could be the game win. You right. Know, that's, the whole, that's the whole appeal of it, for me at least. So – so I don't know. If they bring it back, though, give me some hot mics, like mic up players. I want to hear all the chirps. <laughs> well, they've been working on it for a month. I, I want everybody to be mic'd up so we can hear whatever chirps they throw at Alex Nylander for that. <laughs> I can't get over this. I'm sorry. It's just it's so bad. I don't. Know, maybe, maybe this is me being out of touch with what young people are doing these days, but. Every, the other I thing watched, is, he, he, he did that video with his brother, too, right? I know, I know. Yeah. And it took me a second to realize it was his brother. I watched it for 20 seconds. Like, this is too much. I have to turn this off. This is causing me physical pain. I, I would love if, like, all the other players did, like, a parody of it. Like, I would be all on that. I think it'd be oh. great. Show some personality for once. You can do it. You and Shepard do a parody of it. No. <laughs> no? Okay. Oh well, I, well, I tried, folks. I have, uh, I have, I have my master's thesis to work on. I don't have time for messing around with parody videos. Good excuse. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I can't think of much of anything else to talk about. So I think it's time to put a bow on this here episode of Musings on Madison. Shepard, Brandon, any final thoughts? Wash your hands, people. Stay safe. Listen to good music. Well, I mean, I think good music is subjective. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's it's whatever you think good music is. Go oh, listen to okay. it. Okay, yeah, just you know, not Nickelback. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
or cre- well, or there or goes cre- Ontario. <laughs> yeah. Not Nickelback or Creed or Corn or. Like I keep going. You know, like oh, oh. I was gonna say Corn's not. I don't know. I I was. I the whatever album freaking uh, follow the leader that album. I'll take that album. That's a good album. I don't. Well, I enjoyed that album. I should say. Apparently, Nickelback's from Alberta, so that that's where we lose our listeners. Oh man, no more Edmonton, Calgary. Shots. Yeah. Oh well, I guess, I guess better luck next time. Yeah, that that that's gonna be that. Maybe we, that's what we should call this entire podcast: "Better Luck Next Time." So I think that'll do it for the "Better Luck Next Time" episode of Musings on Madison. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, for Shepard, for Brandon, I'm your host, Dave Melton. Uh, stay tuned to secondcityhockey.com. If any news breaks, we will write about it there. Follow us on Twitter. We'll let you know whatever we've got coming down the pipe. Uh, as the days go on, I'm sure our content will get more weird and strange as we look for more new and creative things to write about as hockey gets further and further away from us. But we'll try and keep giving you something to distract you from everything else going on in the world right now. So thanks again for listening. And, yeah. Wash your hands, stay safe, do all those things, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.